But open up in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And if you have your little booklets, which we still have some in the back, so it's not too late, grab the ones that are, are still available. But if you have those, open to page 35. If you don't have a little booklet, the notes and the questions might be helpful today. So if you don't have it, you can scan the little code on the back of a booklet near you, um, and you can get that. Or you can scan this for the booklet as well. So we'll leave that up on the screen. And um, so we like to get interaction. Let me tell you where I'm going to pull you guys in. This is a super common passage, but it's, it's one of those Bible passages that is common outside of the context. So it's very common outside of the actual context. So let me start off by asking you guys, what, what have we been studying the past couple weeks that chapter 12 and chapter 14 are talking about? Somebody give me some feedback. What have we been talking about? We've been talking about spiritual gifts and how they're used in the church and how they're at times misused um, today in the church. And that, that topic is sandwiched right around this chapter on love. Now, when Morn and I got married, I forgot to put a wedding photo in here. Um, that, was, that was what I was thinking of, Faith, was to get a wedding photo of us. But when we got married, this chapter was read at our wedding. So I'm curious, any parents, did anybody else read this chapter at your wedding or have it printed or have it? Yeah, we've got a few hands. Um, so this is a very common chapter on love. And what I'm going to ask you guys to give me feedback on in just a minute is when we get to that middle part of this passage where what does true Christian love look like? And it's a, a, a list we're all familiar with. Love, love is long-suffering. It's kind. It's not jealous. It's not boastful. I want you guys to be thinking about giving me an example or an application of that. Like, like what's kind of an example in your life and in your world of an application of that? Um, and Paige is going to go first. So I'm giving you so much warning ahead of time. And if you don't want to go first, you tap somebody around you and you nominate them to go first. Um, so Paige is going to go first and then we're going to come over here. Daniel's going to go second because he was staring at me and he knew he wanted me to call on him. So Daniel, you're going to go second um, to give us um, some response there. But we're going to ask a few questions as we lead up to it. But this is a really popular passage. But in the context of this book, what we're going to see the first part of chapter 13 is actually a rebuke, a slight rebuke. Because Paul is coming to this church at Corinth, and he's kind of addressing what they were doing wrong. So we need to start in the right context of all these spiritual gifts and all these good things were happening. But there's this rebuke that gets started. Um, And so as we were talking about, we've answered this question quite a few times. And and the way we structured it today is we're just going to ask questions. So as we go through here, we're going to ask questions. First question, and... Guys, I think I'm on. Let me see if I can turn it. Is that, am I working? All right, you guys are going to have to flip it for me. Go to the next slide. Is love a spiritual gift? And the answer to that is no. The answer is no. Sorry. <laughs> what is love in contrast to spiritual gifts? Love is a nice. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Yeah, so love is a fruit of the Spirit. 
So spiritual gifts are given to the church and they're appointed to people at different times in different ways. And, and the idea that Paul uses that we talked about is spiritual gifts make the body work. Like, like certain people have the gift of teaching, people have the gift of, of giving, and all these gifts work together to make the body of Christ work. But remember when we talked about what the fruit of the Spirit are? So we'll go to that second question. How are the spiritual gifts and fruit of the Spirit different? Well, all of us, if you are a believer and, and the Spirit is working in you, all of these fruits are for you. So when Galatians talks about love, joy, peace, gentleness, patience, you don't get to pick which one of those. Oh, I'm not a very loving person, but I can, I can be very you know, kind. Well, no, no, no. As the Holy Spirit is doing its work in your life, his work in your life, all of these gifts are for you. So, so we need to think about Paul is taking the idea of these spiritual gifts that he's talking about. And he's saying, church, you're missing something. Because if you're practicing all of these outside of love, this, this ultimate fruit of the spirit, then you're missing it. So true fruit cannot be counterfeited. This is a real important point about Walking in, the, walking in the spirit. Fruit of the spirit cannot be counter. Spiritual gifts can be counterfeited, right? You, you, can, you can work up your gifts and use them a certain way, but true fruit cannot be counterfeited. Also, all fruit is for all Christians. And fruit, spiritual fruit, is eternal because they are the communicable attributes of God. So the fruit of the spirit is the communicable, communicable attributes of God. The reason why that idea is so important is when we get to the end of this chapter, Paul uses this illustration about when we look in the mirror right now, you guys is ringing a bell at the end of the chapter, we look in the mirror, now we see things dimly, but one day we will see Jesus face to face, okay? So we need to start off with this idea of the spiritual fruit, especially the fruit of the Spirit, love, is us able to communicate God's attributes to others, and that idea of mirror, I want you to be thinking about that illustration of the mirror because we're going to get to that when we close in just a minute. So be thinking about why does he use a mirror as the illustration there? Like, like what, what's happening with that? That is so important. So be thinking that way. So let's go to the, let's go to the next one. Very easy, very, very easy answer here. Why do we love God? We love God because he... All right, where does that come from? What, what, what book of the Bible is that taught in? First John, you got it. First John, chapter four. We, we love him because he first loved us. Um, now, let's go to the, I'm gonna tie it into this next question. And I'm going kind of fast through the first few because the meat of what we're getting to in the passage starts after this next question. But the next question is this. Why does God love us? So we love him because he first loved us. Why does God love you? Okay. Now I want you to answer that. We just came through Valentine's Day. And some of you may have given or gotten a card like this. All right. I love you because you inspire me. Or you're beautiful or you're handsome. Or, I like that one, you give me goosebumps, right? I love you because you're weird. That's always a good one. You love to cook for me. You're smart. You understand me. You like the same shows as me. You make me smile. 
Now, what's the problem with all of those first ones? What's the problem with all those first ones? I don't really, I don't, actually don't think this is a great Valentine's Day card, by the way. This is not the one I got born. Um, <laughs> I don't think this is a great Valentine's Day card. Yes. It's all about what that person does for them. So a little hint here, guys. First of all, guys, if you want girls to love you, don't be a scrub. All right? Don't be a scrub. You know, some of, you, some of you know what I'm talking about there. But in general, guys and girls, guys and girls, if you are looking to get love because of what that person does for you. Like if I told Lauren, the reason why I love you, honey, is because you cook for me. All right. Now, but this is how we think God looks at us. We think at times God loves us because of what we bring to him. And therefore, you often live in guilt and you live in shame and you live with the idea of I don't want to be close to God because I'm not bringing him something that, that I think he should deserve. We believe that when we really boil it down, we believe we have to bring God something. And so when we feel like we're bringing God something that he loves us, then we feel really good about ourselves. You know, I'm doing all these things for God. And, and, and of course, I'm going to be rewarded for it. So if, if I told Lauren I love you because you cook for me, it's probably not the best thing to say. Um, when we're talking about true Christian love, what we're talking about is loving people without the expectation of what they can bring. Um, now, I'm a guy, and so I, I know how guys think, but I had two sisters. I have three daughters. I have an incredible wife. All of those other girls are incredible, too. Sorry. Um, but, but I know for guys, and I'll just be blunt, so I'm just talking to the guys here for a minute, but I want the girls to listen. Um, we think this way about relationships. Like, like, and I don't normally talk about like dating and all this kind of stuff, but I'm going to kind of talk about some of that because we think of this chapter in that context. We look at a girl and say, is she my type? Like I have created in my mind a certain image or body type um, or personality. And, and I'm going to judge, is this girl my type or not? Like, like is she the one that, that, that is going to make me fulfilled? We, we do that. Like, like, be honest. You know, these are, these are good discussions for you guys to have at lunch today. Be honest. I look at a girl, and if she fits my perception of what I think, you know, I want to be with, then I pursue her. There is absolutely nothing wrong with finding beauty in someone of the opposite sex. That is a God-given thing. But if you're searching for that based on what that relationship can bring to you, it's like you going before God saying, I'm having to put on a certain way or God, you have to do something to kind of earn my love um, or I have to do something to earn your love. So be careful of that. Um, that was a sidebar freebie. So um, girls, you can talk about how you might do the same thing too. You know, you might look at God, oh, he's not funny enough or he, his body type isn't what I, you know, or he's too short or he's too tall or this or that. I mean, there's all kinds of ways that we paint it. Um, and, and what we really are doing there is we're saying what love is, is what I perceive it to be. I love you because of all these things. And if you think God loves you because you're bringing something to the table, that's a bad theology. 
So go to the next slide, Deuteronomy. Here's what the Bible says about why God loves his people. So look at Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6 through 7. It says, for you, it's talking about the people of Israel. It says, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. You are a people holy to the Lord your God. He says, the Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Isn't that awesome? Remember that song we were singing abide about how God is our treasure and our prize? That's, this is, that's where this is coming from. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, so out of all the people out there, I chose you. And it was not because you were more in number than any of the other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all peoples. Go to the next slide. So the idea there is that you weren't some great people that were bringing something to me. I chose to love you. That's what God has chosen to do for you. The reason why you love him is because he chose to first love you. It says, but it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand. And he has redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The next slide. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps his covenant and his steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. By the way, that's us. Like we're the generations that have followed. So God in his love that he's shown to you demands a response from you, a, re a response of love following his commandments. And by the way, when you see this and when you live this, it changes how you view other people. It changes your need to be loved by people. This is why at times you're hesitant to reach outside of your own circle. You're hesitant to really love people because you just don't know if you have that much love in you. And the reason why is you don't really see what God has done for you in terms of his love. So the danger here. So the next question, what is the danger that Paul talks about in this passage? So look at chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. And there's two types of dangers that, that he's talked about. In verse 1 it says, So if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I don't have love, love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. So the first area that, that the Apostle Paul is warning us against is that if you trust in your talents and abilities. So think about the talents and abilities he just talked about. All faith, all knowledge. How cool would it be to have all knowledge? You know? um, and if you have all prophecy, um, if you have all of these talents and abilities, but you're doing it for the wrong reason, you're a gong. That's what it's talked about. How many of you are studying to be a teacher, education possibly, or are a teacher in education? So, um, so I think about this. If you're not careful, you can, you can go and your mindset can be, listen, kids, I'm bringing you all of this knowledge. I am bringing you all of the ability to learn so that you can go to college, so that you can get a job, so that you can be a productive citizen for God's kingdom. I am providing all of this for you. And you're a brat. <laughs> you, you are, you're not listening. You talk in class. You, you lose your patience like crazy. And you lose the opportunity to love them, right? To, to show the love of God. 
because you're so focused on your abilities and your talents. If you're studying for the ministry, this can absolutely be the case. You know, we put together this perfect plan, this perfect ministry plan. We, we heard a great ministry plan and proposal. And, and by the way, I'm all in on it. Like I've been involved in some of the meetings. Um, I absolutely love those two pastors. You know, this is really cool. Like it's really, really exciting. But if we're not careful and we say we have all the perfect answers and the perfect scenarios and we're not combining this out of an opportunity of love to show love to the body of Christ, we're going to miss it. So this is an important point. Your abilities and your gifts can cause you to miss the opportunity to love. That's the first thing that Paul's talking about. Look at the second warning that he gives. Look at verse three. He says, and if I give away everything I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but I don't have love, I have gained nothing. So warning number one is your gifts and abilities can actually cause you not to love. They can actually cause you to become bitter at others. Number two, not just your gifts and abilities, but your virtues. Like giving away all you have to feed the poor. That is an incredible virtue, isn't it? Um, giving up your body physically, that is an incredible virtue. You know, I've served you all these years, as the elder son said in the parable of the prodigal son, and I never got what I know I deserved. So if we're not careful, our service and virtues from God can actually cause us to miss God's love. And it can cause us to miss how we should be loving others. So now I want to get some feedback. Next question. What is true Christian love look like? So I want you guys to give me some feedback. I'm going to read these. Paige is going first. Daniel's going second. And I want you guys to very simply pick one of these and maybe give just a little example or an application. All right. So verse number four, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with truth. And it love bears all things, believes all things, hope all, hopes all things, and endures all things. So Paige, you go first. Pick one of those and maybe just give an example. And after Daniel goes, we're going to open it up. So please be ready to share. That was a really good example. Group project pain, you know, <laughs> you know, being patient with the one who, who doesn't really, um, you can be super patient, but you can still give them like an F on their you know, effort. Like that's okay. Truth, truth in love, you know? So Daniel. those same people when they say something that is true that's 
totally okay for us to agree with that and affirm that truth. Mm-hmm. And that's very powerful, especially in a world this year that your country is going to be so divided by, by politics, right? And, and this is an opportunity for you to love. You know, if your goal is to win a political debate, you're probably not going to be loving people really well. But rejoicing when somebody speaks truth, find that truth and, and hang on that really good. Are there a few others from the crowd? Be brave. Yes. Oh, that's a tough one, though. Like that is not envying, you know, when others, you know, do well. You know, I think, um, you know, like you, if you talk to somebody that's in like my age group, you, you might look at them and say, oh, well, they're married and they have kids and they have a house and like all oh, their life just seems, you know, great. You know, and you kind of envy that next stage, you know, and if you talk to us, I look at you guys and like, oh, if I were young and if I were energetic and if I had, you know, all this potential in front of me, like, oh, just I wish that so bad. And, isn't it ironic how we always envy kind of what we don't have? But, but true love meets people wherever they are and rejoices even when they do well. Uh, in verse 7, there's the different categories of the all things that, it, that love does. Uh, and another way to put that is to basically, that's saying that if we're loving, we're going to give someone the benefit of the doubt. So if, something, if, if, some, if they do something to us that is negative, so the, the fun, silly example, when someone cuts you off from the road, our immediate default is, oh, that guy's such an idiot, he doesn't know what he's doing, he must be trying to hit me and run me off the road. That's... She. You said he. She. Sorry, that was a joke, everybody. <laughs> I'm going I'm to step away from that one. <laughs> that was not a loving comment, all right? <laughs> I'm going to, yikes. Um... But if we were, I mean, if we were truly being loving in that situation, they just made a mistake. And so we can just hit our brakes, slow down for a little bit, and move on. We don't have to get angry. We don't have to let it ruin our day, ruin our mood. Just turn on Christian radio again and keep going. <laughs> that one hurts. We gotta, all right, we're going to do one more, and we're going to Ashton. That one hurts too. It's a good point. Good point. All right, is there one more? Like, was there somebody that really had one that, yeah, prayed? Uh, when it says, um, does, not, does not insist on its own way, like just being selfless, it's like, it's a, I think that sums up a lot of it. It's just like, all these things are like going directly against the flesh in like every onion way. And it's almost like, if we try to do those things, it's like, oh, I gotta be patient to love, or I gotta, I gotta be selfless to love, or I've gotta be kind to love. It's like that's impossible. It's like the love is the preemptive 
like fundamental. Like that's what you need before those things. And every single one of these is like about being selfless and about showing Christ. Yeah, so on that, the last verse in the chapter, so now faith, hope, and love abide, but these three, but the greatest of these is love. So that idea that that is this driver of all of those, is, those are great points. So if, those, if that is what true Christian love looks like, let's go to the next question, next slide. What is the opposite of love? The opposite of love is, some of you said hate. Um, so First John, Ellie, says perfect love casts out Fear, right? So, so yes, the opposite of love, it can be hate. But more in the context of what we're talking about here is perfect love. The perfect love that the Father has for you, it will cast out fear. It will cast out fear of a future judgment, meaning you are very confident with where you are going. But it will also cast out fear of facing what you are fearful of facing in this world right now. Some of you come from very difficult parent relationships. You have a very difficult, some of you have lost parents. Some of you come where parents have, have not loved you the right way. And the outcome of that is often that you are fearful. You're fearful to move out into the world with confidence. You're fearful to actually allow yourself to be loved by others. Um, but the perfect love of our heavenly father, when we see that and believe it and live it and accept it, Fear starts to go away. So that, that's the opposite. And that goes to our next question. Why do we have such a hard time loving this way? Why do we have such a hard time loving people in the spirit? It's often because we are scared. We are scared that we can't love someone because we're not going to get back from them what we think we need. So what we do is we divide our relationships up very carefully. And you think of it like I have this piggy bank of love. And, and I'm, I'm willing to open the piggy bank and give out some love, but there better be some quarters falling in the top. So I've got to find people around me that are going to drop quarters in, and then maybe I'll let a few quarters come out of the bottom. And what God says is, no, when you see the love I have for you, you smash the piggy bank. You don't need a piggy bank. You're a billionaire, and you're not scrounging for quarters anymore. You have all of this love and this opportunity to serve and to give because you see how you have been loved. You see how your heavenly father has stepped into your life to make a difference. So C.S. Lewis said this. If we go to that next slide. This is hard for some of you. Being, being vulnerable and loving is hard. And this is a famous quote. Most of you have heard it. But I just have to say it because this, this is very powerful. If you love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. But if you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. You wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries, and you avoid all entanglements. And you lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, and irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. So C.S. Lewis, what he's talking about there is your fear of allowing your heart to be broken will actually destroy you. Your fear of loving people the way you have been loved will actually bring doubt, shame. It's a, it, it is beautiful what God has done, even in the midst of what can be pain. All right, so how do we love people this way? Look at verses eight through 13. We're gonna go through a few of these. And, and then we're going to close. 
But this is how we love people. Um, and, and if you have your handout or, or whatever, these are listed. But let me read them to you, and then I'm going to read the passage, and then I'm going to give you an illustration. First of all, we realize that real love will never fail. This is one of those foundational beliefs. Real love will never fail. Number two, you realize that certain gifts will end. So if you are depending on, you remember those two things that Paul opened the chapter with? He said, if you're depending on your abilities and your talents to kind of get you through, those are going to go away at some point. And, and now, some, one of you said one time, well, you were talking about tongues, and you used in this passage that tongues will end. And, and yes, there, there can be a whole debate on all of the sign gifts versus the serving gifts, and all of those things are, are highly, and I love talking through all that. But, but the real idea that we're getting to here is that if you're depending on spiritual gifts, those are going to end. All right? now, now, they will probably, when Jesus comes back, that's when everything's going to be made whole. Um, all of those things, we don't have time to dig into every detail. But those gifts will end. Um, thirdly, realize that the future glory is still to come. That we will receive a future glory. And when you live in that reality, um, you have incredible hope. Number four, realize this is how we grow. By seeing the face of Christ. We get to know Christ. We get to gaze upon him. And then lastly, realize that you have nothing to lose because you have everything that you need. So look at verse 8. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will pass away. For tongues, they will cease. And as for knowledge, it will pass away. For right now, we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. The perfect is Jesus Christ. Verse 11, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, and I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Um, I had a youth pastor growing up that said, this is the verse of why when you turn 18, you shouldn't play video games anymore. You know, he's like, that's what children do. You know, when you grow up, you don't play video games. So you, you basically could use that verse to pick on any hobby horse you wanted to. Um, but what's really happening there is it's talking about the way that you think. The way that you speak, the way that you love. Friends, you are adults. You're sitting here today, and and it's time that you start to realize I have been hurt, but that doesn't have to define me. You know, I am hesitant to love people, but I don't have to be because I'm recognizing that God loves me. And it's not dependent on your family or where you grew up. You have to see this, you have to see the work that God's doing, you have to make that faith your own. But look at these, these last, this last verse. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Verse 12. For now, like the here and now, the life we're living in now, we see in a mirror dimly. But then we're going to see him face to face. Now we know in part. But then I shall, I shall know fully. And then this last phrase. Do not miss this. Even as I have been fully known. So do you know what's talking about there? It's talking about that right now. God, Jesus loves you fully and he knows you fully. You get to see parts of that now in this lifetime. As you grow as a Christian, we talk about sanctification. You start to realize this more and more. And he uses this idea of a mirror. Have you thought about why? So if if you are in Christ, that mirror that you see dimly, right? The Bible talks about you were made in the image of God. 
So this is, is so important. Some of you hate looking in a mirror. You know, some of you hate looking in a mirror. Some of you love it. You love it too much. Um, and, and both can be wrong. You know, some of you look in a mirror um, or you see, or better yet, because when you look in a mirror, you're always adjusting yourself. Like I have this flab right here. And when I look in a mirror, I straighten, I like, I like do this so that I don't see it because I, that makes me think it's not there. So sometimes when you look in a mirror, you, you, you have the best possible angle all the time. And then all of a sudden somebody shows you a picture they took the night before and you're like, oh, that's an awful picture. I don't look like that. You really do look like that. <laughs> that. That actually is what you look like. But when you look in a mirror, you see something different because we lie to ourselves because we think it's about us. And really what's being talked about here is when you look in a mirror, when you have the love of God that has changed you, you are a reflection of him. That, that is the idea. You are a reflection of who God is and how he's changing your life. And if you truly believe that, your confidence level is going to shoot through the roof. You are going to be able to love people. You're going to be able to honor God. You're going to be able to serve because you're actually seeing God change you in the mirror. And you get to see pieces of that now. Now, one day we have this hope that all will be made right. Some of you who have been hurt by people in your past, it may not get right here on earth. And that's really painful things to say. Um, My mom passed away in November and I miss her like crazy. And it's really hard that she left, that she's gone. But one day that pain will be made right. We will be made whole completely. But we have the opportunity to see a reflection of what God's doing in our life. And that reflection comes out when you are loving people because you're fully known. Friends, you have nothing to lose. You have absolutely nothing to lose. How many of you like watching figure skating in the Olympics? All right. So my wife likes watching figure skating. So one of the reasons I watch figure skating is because are they going to fall? Because is it frustrating to anybody else that, come on, is this not frustrating? That they work for four years, eight years, 12 years for this two-minute thing, and if they fall one time, they're toast. You know, they don't, I mean, how maddening is that? And so the whole time you can just tell they're under all this pressure and they have to do it just right. And then that one fall and boom, they're toast. But have any of you ever, after the Olympics, after the awards have been given, have anybody ever watched the performances by the skaters that they've come out and perform just for a performance? It's not, no, there's no judges. Did you know they do this after the Olympics? They, they show and the skaters go out and when you watch it, it's totally different because there's no pressure. They're out there skating like crazy and they don't care if they fall. You know, because they're just there to entertain the audience. And watching that is so much more enjoyable than watching this. And you know why? They have nothing to lose. They have absolutely nothing to lose. They can just skate for the pure enjoyment. And you know, if you see God that way in your life, that he loves you completely, you are fully known by him now. You have nothing to lose. You go out and you serve and you love people and you don't get obsessed with, with you know, friend groups or this or how much money am I going to make or you realize you can go out and serve and love God because you are already fully known. You are already fully loved. And that changes. Um, you can turn off the slides. We won't go to the, the, the rest. Um, our time is up, but I'm going to pray. But um, I'm just going to read these to you guys um, when it comes to tests of true Christian love. And then we're going to pray. Do you give to others without the expectation of return? Do you have friendships in your life that aren't necessarily reciprocated? Do others come to you and seek you out for advice and help because they know you love them? Are you impatient, anxious, nervous, unkind, harsh, angry? Have you grown in the fruit of the Spirit in the last year? Have you seen the Holy Spirit do a work in your life? 
And are you calling on the unlimited love resources of our Heavenly Father who knows you fully and loves you completely? Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this chapter that often we think of in the context of romantic love. And what it's really talking about here is how our own lives and hearts are changed because of who you are and what you've done. And as we see in a mirror dimly now, we start to see this reflection of the work you're doing in our life. Um, And that's a reflection of you. That's a reflection of you in our lives. So help us to be confident as we see that, to serve, to love, to not be obsessed with fear. Um, I pray for those who are here that are living a life of fear, fearful of of not being loved by you or by others. God, help them to see that your perfect love can cast out that fear. We thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives that that builds this love in us. That is is a, Braden talked about the supernatural gift of grace that comes from you and through you and how it brings glory back to you. So help us not to see that it's our job to figure out how to love better, but it's our job to recognize how much we have been loved and then let that be an outflowing in our lives to others around us. Um, We love you, God. We love you for the work that you're doing. Um, God, I love each person here and just their attentiveness and their desire to grow and to change. I just pray that you bless them. And it's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.